0: But as Pastor Ben mentioned uh, today, we are starting our new sermon series for the month of November. We're calling it Foolproof. It's a study of the book of Proverbs, not verse by verse, uh, but it is, uh, we're taking all of our messages this month from uh, the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a very different uh, type of book in the Bible. It's really unlike anything else in that it's it's a collection of messages, a collection of sayings that are written the way a father would give his son or daughter advice. And so as we read it, we're reading it from that standpoint. It was written by a number of different authors, one of which, of course, was King Solomon, uh, who was known to be the wisest man on earth. And the purpose is found very early on in in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And here's what it says about the purpose. For giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. <clears throat> the purpose is this that, that those who are, are simple, those who maybe do not know very much, those who do not possess much wisdom, they will receive wisdom and prudence. Those who are young, they're going to be able to obtain knowledge and discretion. I'll tell you what, it's, it's hard being a young person. It's not easy because you don't have the life experience yet. You haven't maybe gained that wisdom. The book of Proverbs is to help young people obtain knowledge and discretion. And for the wise person, it's to become wiser. But we need to understand that there's a very significant difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is merely the accumulation of information, it's the, the accumulation of facts, but wisdom on the other hand is a combination of knowledge and experience into insights that will deepen our, our understanding, it will deepen our relationships, and it's really about the meaning of life. In other words, knowledge is a tool, and wisdom is the craft in which the tool is used. Let me illustrate by telling you about a man named William. His last name is Siddis, S-I-D-D-I-S, and he lived, he was born in 1898, he died in 1944, he was considered an American child prodigy, his IQ was reportedly somewhere between 250 and 300, okay? 250 and 300. Mine's about 12, <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> His was 250 to 300. Uh, he, what they, they really felt that, that uh, possibly he had the highest IQ of anyone in history up until that point. And even, even today, he's ranked as the, the top one or two uh, in IQ. He was outstanding in math, he, okay, he entered Harvard, okay? Now, there's a number of people that can say they entered Harvard. Not many people can say they entered Harvard at 11, okay? If I entered Harvard, it would be by noon, okay? That would be the only way that I'm getting in is to stop by for lunch. But, but he, he, he got into Harvard at 11. He claimed to know 40 languages, there was an MIT professor that predicted that this guy would become the greatest mathematician of the 20th century, and yet he crashed and burned in life as an adult. He held little more than menial jobs, got in trouble with the law, and never lived up to the incredible expectation that was placed on his life because of his high level of intelligence. Just because someone has knowledge doesn't mean that they have wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the apostle Paul tells us that knowledge without wisdom has a negative effect on our lives. It causes us to be proud. Now, it's all right to feel good that we've learned something. That's part of the basis of learning. But without wisdom, knowledge alone causes us to be proud. We all need knowledge, but wisdom does not come automatically. It's not automatically included. Wisdom is extra. It's in addition to knowledge. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we are told to pursue wisdom at all cost proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 the beginning of wisdom is this this is good the beginning of the of wisdom is this get wisdom is that as simple as you can get it the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom though it cost all you have get understanding So this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you about four questions that we need answers to if we're going to pursue wisdom at all costs. Number one is this. We need to ask ourselves, where does wisdom come from? Where does wisdom come from? For that matter, where does knowledge come from? If if knowledge is, if there's at least some sort of a relation, if if they work together, where do these things come from? And I want us to look at that for just a moment. Knowledge is sort of like buying a used vehicle from someone and calling it new. Have you ever done that before? Oh, I got a new vehicle. And then a couple seconds later, you're like, Oh no, it's not new. It's just new to me. You know what I mean? Have you ever done that before? Huh? It's, that's, we, we, it's new to us. So it feels like it's new. In actuality, it's not new. And it's not, it's not just semantics. It's, it's really, there's a difference. That's what knowledge is like. Knowledge is new to you when you get it. But that knowledge is not really, you, really new. In fact, there's something called original knowledge, which means it's it's the first time it's ever been realized, okay? That type of knowledge comes through observation, contemplation, and experimentation. Let me illustrate that. In 1687, Sir Isaac Newton published a comprehensive theory of gravity it was a huge discovery it made an incredible difference in society it made an incredible difference in learning and and we need to understand that gravity did not begin to exist in 1687 okay does that make sense i see a couple of you nodding so you you must be with me Gravity did not begin to exist in 1687 when Sir Isaac Newton wrote his, his theory on gravity. It, it, it Obviously, it had been in place, just nobody realized it. Nobody had a theory about it. Nobody had understood it the way that Isaac Newton did it. Knowledge is familiarity with something that already exists but wisdom just like nature through which knowledge comes by observation that's how we get knowledge we observe it in nature we observe it happening we we observe it we we experiment with it we 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 contemplate it and out of that comes comes knowledge but wisdom okay just like nature was created are you with me Wisdom was created, just like, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? The scripture tells us that God created wisdom from eternity before the world began, Proverbs chapter 8. Think about that. God created wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, it's, it's written in the voice of wisdom speaking. Verse 22, here's what it says The Lord brought me, this is wisdom speaking, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. He's, the, wisdom is speaking here through the writer of Proverbs. In verse 30, it goes on, it says that I was the craftsman at his side during creation. So God created wisdom and wisdom in turn participated as God's partner in creation. I want you to think about that. How many times have you, have you uh, been pondering and contemplating all of creation and you ever thought to yourself, how in the world did we come up with the name rhinoceros? <laughs> how did we come up with that? How in the world, how, how, do, how do cells divide? How do they divide and keep dividing and keep dividing and keep dividing and keep dividing and and growing and keep dividing? It's by wisdom. When God created the world, wisdom was the craftsman who participated with him in creation. That's how this incredible world that we live in was created. But, we need to to look at not only what it is, but but where does God keep it? You ever think of where does God keep wisdom? We uh, this morning I was sharing with the worship team that that God created wisdom, and they looked at me all funny. Like, is that in the Bible? I said, No, nah, I, I took it from somewhere else. You know, no. Wh- but where does He keep it? If He created, it, he, it's His, right? It belongs. To, scripture says that wisdom belongs to the Lord. Where does He keep it? I'll, I'll tell you what. I you don't think about stuff like that. Where Where did He keep it? Now this summer, um, there were there was a a bunch of people that that were so kind and so gracious to us. Um, we we moved uh, from one neighborhood to another here uh, in the Marquette area and. And um, I just highly recommend that if you just want to throw your life into absolute turmoil, just move, okay? Just, just, it's, after 17 years in one house, just do yourself a favor, move. It just, it simplifies life, it's so, it's so amazing. And, um, and so, you guys were so gracious and so kind, and, and like 20 some people showed up, to help us move. It was it was amazing. Um, and and man, the stuff gets in the truck really fast. The the downside is it comes off the truck really fast, and, and it's so fast that you don't even know where to put stuff, okay? So everything wound up in the garage, you know, because you're like, I don't know, put in the garage. Either that or the craft room. Those of you that were there, you will understand what I mean by that, okay? Those are the two places that it was stored. But but you, you, you just, then you're done, right? You're done moving. You take the moving truck back. Everything's gone from the old house. Everything's in the garage. And, and what do you do? You are, you're, you're just in trouble. You're, because you don't know. Somebody says, hey, where is this? You have no idea. okay. It's it's like it's getting you know close to winter now, right? And and you got to get out the jackets. My wife said the other day, can't find the box with any of the the you know with the winter jackets. Where are they? I I, I check the garage. <laughs> I don't know. And that was my answer when anybody was looking for anything. Check the garage. Why? Because that's where everything was. And what I'm trying to do is I'm as I'm going through and putting things. I I just like to have a hook for everything, and then. It should be on the hook so that you know where to... I am in my mind, where did I keep this in the last house? And I'm trying to put it in exactly the same place in the new house. Because that way, in my mind, I'm going to be able to find it. I'm going to know where it is. I'm going to know where to put it back. But that's that's where we keep those things. Colossians chapter 2. The apostle Paul here, he's writing about Jesus... As being God's keeping place for wisdom. Verse 3: In whom, this is talking about Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. Come on. God keeps wisdom in Jesus. Oh, that is incredible. It's it's his wisdom. It's God's. Job chapter 12, verse 13. To God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. Why? Because he made it. He created it. And he keeps it where he wants to. He keeps it where he knows he can find it. He keeps it in the same place all the time. He keeps it in his son Jesus, who, by the way, was also present at creation and also involved in creating. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus, alongside wisdom at creation, and God keeps that wisdom in Jesus. That is, I'll tell you what, that's worth the cost of admission right there. Number two, what is it? And my timer didn't start, so I could go all day and still not hit 30 minutes. I'm just telling you, okay? What is it? Number two, so much of what God has created for you and I, I need you to understand this, that Satan has created a fraudulent copy. Okay? Every good thing that God has given to you, your marriage, your children, grace, a home, food, Everything that God has created and given to you, the enemy has created a fraudulent copy in order to deceive us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11 that even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's to deceive us. There's always a fraudulent copy. Satan is not an angel of light. That's, it. that's just the way he wants to appear. And that's every blessing that God has for you and I. Satan has that fraudulent Uh, uh, um, um, copy that he has developed. Now, when you and I look at living our lives, we want to be foolproof. We want to have wisdom. We need to understand this. And it would be prudent for you and I to understand that Satan produces a fraudulent form of wisdom. He creates a fraudulent form of wisdom. And if we're going to live foolproof lives, we need to make sure that we are pursuing at all costs the right kind of wisdom. And we need to recognize those types of wisdom that exist. Now, I'm going to share with you two types. The first type is the wisdom of this world. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 12, along with chapter 16, verse 25, it says, There is a way that appears To be right, but in the end it leads to death. I want you to understand that earthly wisdom is discernible from other wisdom. It looks and sounds different and it leads to a different place. It leads us ultimately to death. Now, I know some of you are going to struggle with this and you're going to say, but wait a second, I'm, I don't buy into the worldly wisdom. And, and you know what? Maybe you feel like you don't even buy into godly wisdom. You just have your own brand of wisdom, and what you feel is right, that's what's really right, and that ultimately is wisdom. Well, I want you to understand that earthly wisdom appeals to our feelings, it appeals to our emotions, our emotions, what we see, what we taste, what we sense, and it follows The desires of our heart, your heart is the seat of your emotion. So ultimately, it's about what you think and what you feel, and in doing so, believing that that is true wisdom, you have deceived yourself, and you are actually pursuing the wisdom of this world. Earthly wisdom says that that seeing is believing. It promotes self. It seeks the highest place. It avoids accountability. It avoids confrontation by the word of God, and it tends to throw its weight around just a little bit. You see, we need to remember that Jeremiah said in chapter 19, verse 9, that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And so when we perceive a wisdom in our own hearts, we are deceiving ourselves and showing that we have been deceived. James chapter 3 and verse 13, James writes this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, now look at this, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's the wisdom that is the different kind of wisdom than God's wisdom. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it is demonic. You say, Pastor, that's pretty heaven. Well, friends, there are only two kingdoms in the world. There is the kingdom of God and then there's the kingdom of, this, uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. This morning as I was going over my notes and just contemplating it, I was reminded that in the garden... That that Eve said to the serpent, God said that we shall not eat of the fruit of this tree. And if we do, we will surely die. And what was Satan's response to her? Will you really die? Did he really say that? Two opposing statements. One observation. The deception. Deception. There are two kingdoms, there are two types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of this world that literally is generated from Satan and it seeks to incubate in the human heart of mankind. The other kind of wisdom, of course, is God's wisdom. It reflects the attributes, the values, the glory of God. It literally comes down from heaven. It promotes others. It seeks the lowest place. It serves the needs of others in meekness, and it submits itself to the word of God. James chapter 3, verse 17. Oh, I love this verse. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The wisdom that we should pursue at all costs comes from heaven. It does not come from this world. In fact, when you begin to pursue God's wisdom, I guarantee you that you will have people that believe not in God's wisdom but their own. They will say, you are crazy. You are nuts. If you forgive that person after the wrong that they have done to you, you are insane. The wisdom of this world is is opposed to the wisdom of God. They, they, They don't gel. They don't work together. Those kingdoms do not gel. They do not work together. We need to understand that. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Where did we say that God keeps his wisdom? In Jesus. When we come to Jesus, when we start that personal relationship with him, when we invite him into our lives, the Bible says that is the beginning of wisdom. It's not, we don't get it all, okay? We don't get it all day one, moment one, come to Jesus, you're the wisest person in the world. It's the beginning. We have to grow in that wisdom just the way we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But ultimately, that's where it begins. We we have this trust, we have this desire to serve God when we come to him, when we want to worship him the way that he desires. The fear of the Lord is an awe, it's a respect, it's a love that we have for God when we come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we experience that, that's when we begin that journey of wisdom. God and his true wisdom cannot be, a, godly wisdom cannot be experienced without knowing God first. Number three, what's it worth? How many of you like to shop? Do we have any shoppers? This is, uh, is kind of like confession. You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of you are, ladies, you're looking to see where your husband is. So, uh, you know, is he in the other room? Oh, yes, me, I love to shop. If he's there, you know, you're just like, no, I don't, I don't like to shop. Um, my 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 kids turned me on to this new this new uh, awesome way of finding all the useless junk you you ever want to buy. Okay, and it's called Facebook Marketplace. People just take pictures of their junk. Okay. $12, you know, and, it, and it's just, I mean, it's, it, there's, I mean, once in a while, but the good things honestly are gone in the first five minutes. Let's just be honest, okay? It's all the junk that's there for weeks, but you can just, you can just hit that little cupcake, you know, uh, insignia on your Facebook and just start scrolling through the junk, okay? And my favorite is newly listed in your area. I'm like I could drive and get that piece of junk right there. I could get it. I could find it. In fact, they're they're like in Gwen. I mean, it's that close, you know. <laughs> the question is, and and I, I love. I'm I'm just you know mowers. Ah, oh, just and and I, some of you guys are posting on that. I see, Ray. You posted your lawnmower. I saw it. <laughs> I saw. Ray, I coveted that lawnmower from the first time. You put it just out on Facebook at first, just like a tease, you know, just like just like showing it off like a new car or something. I, I I've seen, I'm I'm just looking at it. man, I know that. I, yeah, you click and you're like, yeah, I know that person. Look at the junk they're selling. <laughs> it's awesome. And then you get to find out how much they think their junk is worth. Oh. <gasps> I'm going to have to talk to that person. Uh, Oh, they're asking way too much for their junk. The question is, what's it worth? You know what the old saying is? Only as much as somebody will pay you for it. That's what it's worth. Wisdom is exactly the same. Wisdom is worth exactly what you are willing to pay for it. But we've got to pay for it. Proverbs thirteen three verses 13 to 15. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. When I was younger, much younger, we used to sing a song in church. Lord, you are... More precious than silver. You remember that song? Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares with you. It's singing about wisdom. Wisdom. And he keeps it in Jesus. Man, how many times we've said, Lord, Lord, I want you. Lord, I more than silver and gold, I what, what we're really saying in the scripture is we want wisdom, and it's kept in Jesus. This past week was Reformation Day. John Huss was known as the morning star of the Reformation. Among many other things, he believed that the Scriptures should be made available in the common language to the common man. And the Roman Catholic Church declared him to be a heretic. And heresy, to be convicted of it, was a capital crime. They invited him to come to the Council of Constance in 1415. They promised him safe passage. He was arrested when he arrived, tried and sentenced to death. And after his conviction, he was given several opportunities to recant his position in order to save his own life. And here's what he said. In the same truth of the gospel which I have written, taught, and preached, drawing upon sayings and positions of the holy doctors, I am ready to die today. John Huss was willing to pay the ultimate price. You see, worldly wisdom would say, John Huss, recant and save your life. But godly wisdom says, no, don't recant. Because to do so is to abandon your faith. They burned him at the stake, and he was heard to exclaim in the midst of the flames, Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. Making scripture available to the common man and the common language so that they might know that Jesus was the Savior, was worth it to John Huss. And finally, how do we get it? As we read through Proverbs, we realize that it's the Lord who gives wisdom. In Proverbs 8, we're told, choose his instruction over silver or gold. Choose. If God came to you and said, ask me for whatever you want, what would you ask for? Imagine that. God showing up at your house and saying, ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. What would you ask for? Well, you know, some people immediately would think money, right? Incredible wealth. What else would we ask for? We might ask for power. We might ask for position. We might ask for control. God did exactly that to Solomon. When David's son Solomon took over as the king, God said, Solomon, ask me whatever you want to ask me for, and I will give it to you what an open-ended question Solomon didn't ask for money he didn't ask for power he didn't ask for the death of his enemies he said God that you would give me the wisdom to lead these people and God said Solomon I'm going to give you that wisdom but I'm also going to give you the other things that you could have asked for Solomon became known as the wisest and even the wealthiest king on earth. Now, I've never had a dream where God asked me in that dream, hey, Kevin, ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you, but I want you to know, even though he's never done that, the promise for his wisdom is still available for me today because it's available through his word. And if it's in his word, it is for me. James chapter one verse five says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you." Here's my question: Have you asked God for His wisdom? Have you asked for it? Have you searched for it? Do you know that when we open up our Bibles, we are searching for His wisdom? When we spend time in worship, we're searching for his wisdom. When we spend time in prayer, we are searching for that wisdom. We can ask for that wisdom. It's, it's not selfish for us to say, God, I need your wisdom. Anybody here have any tough decisions that you have to face in life? Anybody? At all? I don't think I'm the only one. I think there's lots of people. You have lots of difficult decisions. Anybody here want God's wisdom in those decisions? Why not ask Him? Why not say, God, I need your wisdom. I know what the wisdom of the world tells me in this matter, but I need to know what your wisdom is. And the Bible says that when we ask, He gives it to us. He knows where it is. It's in Jesus. Guess where Jesus is? He's in you. It's a real quick stop, okay? You see what I'm saying? When we ask, he said, "It's it, I, I'm going to give it to you. So knowing Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. So the question we have to ask ourselves, do I know Jesus? If we know Jesus, that wisdom is there available for us. It doesn't look like the wisdom of this world. It looks like a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question is what is Jesus, what is knowing Jesus worth to you? Because that's where the wisdom ultimately comes from. I end with Proverbs chapter 2. He says this My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. You know, the Bible says that only a fool says in his heart that there is no God. I want us to be able to live foolproof lives.